Comics. Movies. Music. Video games. Technology. Blu-ray. Television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. You're listening to the Jersey Shore Podcast. Welcome to Jersey Shore. I'm Jordan from Jersey. Joined this week by... Pierce. Hey, guys. And Pierce, you came up with our topic for this week's discussion. So what is it? I did. And this topic is collectibles. Okay. So this is a wide-ranging topic. Yes. But let me also start by saying what inspired this. Okay. I work at UPS, and the guy came in to ship Amazing Fantasy number 15. Which, for those who don't know, is the first appearance of Peter Parker, the Amazing Spider-Man. Yes, and he insured it, I should say it was an eBay transaction, and he was very open about everything, and he sold it for, I believe he said, eleven grand. And he had to declare what it was in it because of like insurance and stuff. Exactly. It's not know. like he was just like, guess what, I'm sending out. This is, yes. He had to. Yes. And so, you know, talking about it, he's like, yeah, it was, it was only, uh, its condition was downgraded to a four. Well, that would be on the CGS, not CGS, uh, Comics... What is that called? CCG? CGC grading? I I can't remember something. It's, it's a thing you can send away yeah. for to have your comic books graded in terms of quality, and so be assured that the price is what the price is supposed to be. Yeah. And talking with him, he's like, yeah, five, five stars worth so much more, et cetera, et cetera. And so that just got me thinking about, you know, the value of collectibles, because we also had a gentleman not too long uh, before that ship out some Black Lotus Magic cards, which can go for... Depending on which set, between three and five thousand dollars per card. And the, this is Magic: The Gathering. And this is Magic: The Gathering. Yes, I don't. Yeah, I mean, this is a nerd cast. I mean, I yeah, think but I, I, I'm I'm asking for myself more than anything. I'm assuming no, that's it's what they Magic. Are. Yes, and they're it is one and they're worth the, money because they're old or rare or both. It, yes, it is one of the first cards, extremely overpowered card because they didn't know what in the world they were doing. But also, it's just. Um, the, the, I don't want to say nostalgia value of it, but just because it's... So this is a specific card, not a specific run of cards. Correct. This is the card called Black Lotus. Okay. So. I, I know a lot of the decks are color-themed, so I didn't know if Black Lotus was the theme oh, yeah, no, for no, that, no, no, for that no, type no. of thing. I, I know a little bit about Magic. I played a few times enough to know that it's not for me. Yeah. But, so, this is what made, made you think of it, because the guy was setting out the... The, the comic, comic, yeah. Combine that with the Magic cards, yeah. Made Give me the idea. Why don't we talk about collectibles? Uh, I know that's something... You're a little bit more into, I guess, than I am. Used to be. Okay. And, oh, there was one other story that made me think of this. And I remember the story from years back. Uh, down on the shore is a, what is it called? Shore, shore Things, I think it's called. Shore Things is the name of kind of like a mall down in Ocean City, New Jersey. Um, down by, what, 11th Street? 10th Street, somewhere down there? Um, but it's one of the bigger buildings on the main No, not, not the big one that has, like, the movie theater look to it. That's Shore Things. Which is the smaller one with all the records in the back? 7th Street Surf Shop. I believe is the name of it. Are you sure it's the one with the yellow and yeah. then the collectibles to the side? There's the comic books in the front, records in the back, beach stuff on the okay. side. But I, it, I believe it's the 7th Street Surf Shop or 7th no, Street Market that's or something that's not possible like that. because 6th is where... Ninth is where the music pier is, 
and it's not before the music pier, it's way after. There's two music, there's two piers. Remember no. that. Well, okay. Either way, I know exactly the which place you're talking about. The giant thing. We, we know what we're talking about. We both know um, the same place we're talking about. So I met, a, I met a guy who wasn't working there. He was just uh, there, and, and we were talking. He got so good with the, his Star Wars collectibles, knowing where to find them, knowing what to this look This is the for. older guy who runs that? No, no. He, this was just a younger guy, probably in his 20s, okay. that was there that... And been doing this for so many years that even by the time he was 18, he collected so much of such great value that he was actually able to buy his parents an addition to their house. Okay. Yeah. And still have a collection over top of that. And was still searching and, and on and on. And this is like specifically Star Wars figures or all kinds of stuff he was This was specifically Star Wars memorabilia, yeah. Okay, so not even just figures, but memorabilia but in general. But everything in general, yeah. So he was shopping there then at that place more than running it or, or something like that? Or did you say he worked no, there No, well? it was just a dude that was shopping there. Oh. You know, anywhere that there would be Star Wars figures, he would kind of check out. And there out certainly and are, somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a huge wall of massive random figures, so. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say a huge wall, unless it's changed a lot since I've been there. Uh, yeah. It's like a 10 by 15 wall. Yeah, so. exactly. With some very highly priced comic books that I, I bought yeah. many. It was actually, that was the place that first got me into comics. One of the first places. Yeah. I was down there one uh, September. I was probably 14. Uh, we're just, just about to turn 15. We're just about to turn 13, because we kind of go every other year for a couple weeks. And... I spent probably like two, three hundred dollars there. It was like one of the first summers I'd had a job, so I had some spending cash, and I was like, comic books, eh? So I was paying, I was paying like cover price for '90s <laughs> comics, many of which I still have, most of which are terrible, but like a lot of like Clone Saga era uh, Spider-Man, mm. a lot of Cable, a lot of X-Force type stuff. Is what got me into comics. So even though a lot of them are terrible, I do really appreciate. That please mean there are a lot of twenty ninety nine books with uh, Spider Man twenty ninety nine just coming out this past week as we record this. I haven't haven't read it yet, so I can't comment. But uh, did you pick up Big Trouble Little China? No, I kind of heard eh, things eh, about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yes, I, I, I know exactly what place you're I also spent a lot of money at that record shop. That's when I was first getting into metal, and they had a lot of kind of yeah. obscure ish metal stuff back there. They so. do have. It is a very interesting collection of stuff they have in that store. Very unlike the entire rest of the, the boardwalk there. Uh, so, let me ask you, like like I said before, you used to be more into uh, collectibles, and I don't necessarily want to say memorabilia, but what what is kind of your history with that? What have you collected? What do you My have? history with collecting. Well, I mean, I would probably say it goes back to Lego in the beginning, and not hmm. like collecting sets, but just collecting pieces. Yeah. Where, I, you know, I would, when I bought a set, I would build what was ever on the set, you know, whatever's on the box, and then keep that together for a couple days or a week. And then I would take it apart, and if it had an alternate set of instructions, I would build that and keep it together for a couple days or a week. And then from that point on, I'd keep all the instructions so I could rebuild stuff later if I wanted to, but it just went into the pile. And not really a pile, but it would be like a Rubbermaid container or whatever filled with parts. And then as I got older, I would have, like, organizers with different type of parts because I would build... Um, in the Lego community, they'd be called mocks or MOCs, my own creations. Yeah, but I was part of a a uh, Bionicle fan form called BZPower.com. I remember this. Yeah, um, I was huge into Bionicle. That was kind of like the heyday of you know I was probably like 13, 14, 15. Again, it was kind of right in that same era, maybe even a little earlier, like ten, eleven, twelve. Um, I had, like, most of the original smaller sets. I didn't have the bigger ones, but I'd have like all the Toa and the mm-hmm. uh, and the stuff like that. And I had a lot of rare pieces. Like, they, the, the Bionicle had the masks Which were and the stuff big, like yeah. that. 
and I think we talked about this in some I previous episodes did. somewhere, but there was like Magic you could only get at Legoland or at uh, some Toys R Us event that was the first Saturday in July, and you had to go there to get this mask. But there were ways you'd find, you know, there's this fan form. Um, there's ways you could get them. There's another, there was BZ Power, and then there was Mask of Destiny. com or .net. But that would have, like, lots of news. And so it would be like, so if you missed it, if you call up Lego and ask for this person, they'll send you one in the mail. And I got a couple that way. Like, a, there was a glow-in-the-dark mask. It was either glow-in-the-dark or a see-through green or both. I don't remember off the top of my head. I still have it somewhere. But there was the Mask of Time. There were the white metal metal crane a cow that you could find, which were these kind of smaller masks, yeah. that there was like 5,000 made. I found two of them, because they were like ra- in random packages, but it was a clear package, that if you knew exactly what you were looking for, you could find them. This, yeah. I was actually, for BZ Power, not the first person in the world to find one, but the, it, I was either the first person to find one on their forums, or I tied for first, in the entire world, to find one of them. Like, the post... I, I, because they, they had, like, if you find one, send us in pictures so we can post them. And, like, the, if I remember correctly, the day I found one, I sent in a picture, and the, the post they had was me and another guy who had both sent them in that day hmm. to be like, look, we found them. This is the, you had the numbered card and all that kind of stuff. Sold one on eBay for a hundred bucks. Nice. Um, and it also Transformers, when I was a kid, I, you know, and, again, I didn't have all of them, but it would be like collecting the ones I had, like, Cheetor was my favorite character from Beast Wars, because I was a big Beast Wars, Beast Machines fan, still am. But so I had almost every Cheetor that was ever made. And they made, like, the like $40 one that was, like, three and a half feet tall. Remember that one from Beast Machines? Yeah. I had that. You know? And Cheetor was just like, he was my dude. I liked that guy a lot. So... It was a lot of stuff like that, but also around the same I really time, wanted to make a fat joke in there and be like, really, not Rhinox? You like the fat guy? I did have the original Rhinox figure. Yeah. It was actually one of the first ones I had. The first Beast Machine, or Beast Wars I ever had was um, Pterosaur. Yeah. And then shortly after that, it was uh, Razor Beast, who was the Wildebeest um, yeah. kind of yeah. boar, wild boar one. Um, those were the first two I had. I forget exactly what you ordered, but they were right like in the same week or two. Um I was a young kid. I was like 11 when they first came out, I think. But it was also around the same time that for whatever reason, I became a numismatic. Is that a word you're familiar with? Nope. Numismatic is a, is a $15 word for a coin collector. Okay. Or a collector of currency. I don't know if it's specifically coins um, or if it's exclusionary to just coins. But, and I still do that to this day, not nearly as much. It's kind of more like if I come across something like today, I found a silver dime. Like, literally today, I found a silver dime. I I always check currency. 1964, I think. So I got a bunch of silver dimes and silver quarters. I've got some money from all over the world. Uh, A couple $2 bills, a couple silver certificate singles, and I've got, like, a a 10 from 1912 or something like that, or 1911, somewhere in there. Just random stuff like that. I don't even keep it for the value. It's more just, hey, that's a nifty thing that nobody else has, you know. That's what I do with twos, yeah. well, the twos are one of those things that they're not rare at all. You can go to any bank in the America and go, I'd like $100 in twos, please, and they'll give them to you. Not every bank. Pretty much any bank in America will have that. It's just people think they're rare because people get them and don't spend them. That's but true. they make them to this day. You can go get a crisp new $2 bill. Oh, yeah, bill, I've gotten new twos. But people think that they haven't made them in 30 years. Be- oh, I don't Because think that of that, that yeah. false rareness. No, I'm not saying you no. do, but lots. there have been stories... Real stories you can find of people who tried to spend a $2 bill and the police were called on them because people thought they were trying to scam them. 
Seriously. Like, in the last ten years, there was, like, some guy at a 7-Eleven a couple years ago who was, like, handcuffed to a desk for a couple hours before the police could verify with someone else that this is a real thing and the guy was not a con artist. <laughs> because he tried to pay with a $2 bill. I would have, like, sued him. Um, I think it was more just, the guy found it hilarious. Because he was kind of one of those people who, like, did it to make a point. Like, he would change all of his monies into tubes mm. and, and then spend Like the those. dude who carries around a sack of dollar coins and, yeah. Well, those people are just what we call annoying. <laughs> but it was more just, be- it was for him, it was more of a raising $2 bill awareness. Yeah. And, you know, lots of people, including myself, when you get paid with a $2 bill, oh, that's kind of cool. You know, and either you save them or you pass it on because, you know, I don't even keep $2 bills anymore. I've got a couple of them and what am I going to do with another $2 bill? Yeah. You know. But coin collecting, there was a very brief period of time, like a day, where I thought I was going to get getting into stamp collecting, and my mother's uncle gave me a bunch of old stamps that I don't even know if I have anymore, because I immediately lost interest in stamps. I'm about to say, I don't get stamp collecting. I really, <laughs> that is one I do not understand. Uh, but, so, coin collecting was big, Lego, and then, you know, as I got into comic books, again, it wasn't really for the collecting so much as the reading, but music, there's a lot of bands, not any much anymore, but there's still a couple bands that I'll still buy physical copies of, and if I find a, a CD single for that band, I'll, you know, I, there's um, the band I.K. I'm big into, because yeah. I was big into when I was in high school, and they've evolved, you know, in, in their style and taste, just like I have over the years. So, I've got almost every CD they've put out, there's a couple that are, like, if you find them, they're, like, $500 for, like, their original, mm-hmm. like, demos and stuff. Um, but I've got, like, Australian exclusive singles that they put out, <laughs> or there were singles that they put out that there's two versions of, and I have both, you know, and things like that where, again, there's no real value in it. Not really, but it's more just, I like having all of something. Okay. You know, if there's ten, if this if this band or this comic or whatever has ten versions out, I like to be the guy who has all ten. I've kind of gotten out of that in the last couple of years. Like, now, when, when variant covers for comics, it used to be, oh, this week's Spider-Man has two covers. So I guess I'm buying both. Now it's, oh, which cover do I like best? That's the cover yeah, I was about to say, yeah. You know, like, right now with Original Sin coming out, they've got those connecting covers, and I just happened to buy the first one accidentally that way because I thought it was the coolest looking, not knowing it interlocked. But now I'm buying them all that way because they all look pretty cool. But I'm not buying that and the regular cover and the 1 in 100 cover and the 1 in 50 cover mm-hmm. because... A, I don't have that kind of money, and B, That's what am I going to... You know, I kind of, I've kind of gotten out of collecting the last few years, because even at 26, I don't have room for this crap. Mm-hmm. You know, I sold off most of my toys, or they went up in the attic. Um, I haven't touched a Lego, aside from the little Emmett Lego yeah. minifig I got from the movie, um, in years. You know, my, my Marvel Legends that I have are in a box in the closet that, you know, never comes out. But, you know, I, I sold off pretty much everything I had no interest in, I sold but there were a couple that I was like, you know, this has some nostalgic value. That's at least getting put in this box and put away for some day that I might want to display it, which will never happen. But, you know. Give it to your children. Which there will be no children. <laughs> no, no, no. But maybe someday that thing I have will be worth something and I can at least, you know, pay myself back for storing it for all those years. That's true. <laughs> because if you think about it, if there's stuff like that that you're holding on to, you are paying yourself to store that thing. So it better be worth what you'd be paying in a storage facility <laughs> to put it back at yeah. least. Or, you know, it, if not in physical, you know, uh, fiscal money, in nostalgia or whatever, exactly. or enjoyment of playing with it or reading it or listening to it, whatever that may be. So now that I've rambled for way too long, <laughs> Pierce, what do you collect? Well, let me say I'm kind of the opposite. When I was younger, I did not collect as much. 
I had a lot of different toys and whatnot, so like Legos, uh, I wouldn't build it and then take it apart. I'd build with it and then play with it, and then slowly pieces from different sets that I would play with together would get intermingled, and then, you know. So it was less collecting, and I didn't have the, you know, the organizational boxes or anything like that. Everything was just a mass of different jumble of pieces, you know, more like, um, you know, towards the end of the Lego movie kind of deal. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was that. I mean, I was into the whole Pokemon and Digimon thing as a kid, so I would say probably Pokemon cards was my first thing that I really... Because we're both kind of right behind the generation, like, just by a couple years. Well, me by a couple years, you by several years of, like, Pogs. Yeah, I I remember my older cousins, like, being into Pogs and stuff, but we both kind of skipped that. I had a tube of them, but that was... was I had a couple, you know, ones that they got rid of and gave to me. I never played with them. I'm not even 100% sure how you did. I know you... Through a slammer, or you slammed a slammer on a stack of them, and yeah, you tried to flip them how you off. played them was weird. I, yeah, but let let me say, I think we were both at the right age. I mean, I don't know what you consider the right age, but the Beanie Baby age as well. I mean, I certainly had two or three of them that like aunts or uncles would give to me because I was like a younger kid when they came out, like maybe okay. ten. So it wasn't quite to that weird level of why are you getting a teenage boy. <laughs> um, Beanie Babies, but I had like a snake that was kind of cool that at least I coiled around a lamp. And, I was about to say the yes. snake. I mean, and we we do have some of the rare ones. We have the Princess Die one. When you say we, I'm assuming your family. Yes, my family. And I, I don't want to say they're on display. They're in a china cabinet in the room that we never go into, so I don't know if that <laughs> counts as on display. But like, yeah, we have the Princess Diana one for when she passed away. We have uh, the... Irish one, which actually has... The Irish one. It's just in memory of Ireland. (laughs) Yeah, commemorating all the misery. Do you remember Ireland, man? Sucks it has gone now. I know, right? Uh, It basically, it's, you know, it has a little clover. And I think it has the same birthday as my sister. I think that's why we have that one. And apparently it's slightly rare. And then I have the one that's the same birthday as me, but it's in not great condition. And it's Jerry Garcia. So in case you're curious what my birthday is, it's the same as Jerry Garcia. So go look that up. Um, Good to know. Yep, that's my famous person. Um, so we had a couple of those, but Pokemon uh, Pokemon cards were the first ones that I really got into. And partly because my mom ran the league at Zany Brainy where she worked. Yeah, we talked about this in yes. the Pokemon episode. And so uh, that was really where I started collecting. I had binders with the cards in them and everything. And were they like organized or just willy-nilly thrown in the binder to keep them safe? Well, more... And the same way I organized Magic cards later on, it was... By type, so you had, you know, this is your fire page, this is your Because you were actually playing with them, so you needed them organized by utility. Exactly, and see, that's the thing, and this is what I was going to say even when I transitioned to magic later in life, and then got out of magic because everyone that plays it is weird. Um, (laughs) It's so true, I like show up on magic nights at the shop, I'm like, this is why I play war games. So, because interestingly enough, completely random aside... A lot of military guys play war games, and I mean, I guess that makes sense—the you know, strategic aspect of it. So it definitely carries. You, you a, think they know the only way to win is not to play? Well, there's that, <laughs> but apparently they can't get enough. So it's just interesting the different the different types of people that come out to different games. So anyway, going back, yeah, it was more based on utility. It's here's the rares in this binder because I'm probably going to need them. The commons kind of go in this uh, box here, and then I. Throw the you know stupid common things and I don't care about you know so I burn them in effigy more or less I need kindling and this is the best <laughs> I got it's so cold <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, it, even when I was collecting Pokemon cards, it wasn't for completionism. It wasn't for anything like that. And it wasn't to get the most expensive ones. It was just, this is a good card, this is a good card. And that kind of carried with me. So when I switched over Magic, it was less, I want to buy packs and packs and packs and try to get all the cards in a set. It was more, okay, I'm going to buy this list of cards because I need them for this, this, and the, the other thing. Oh, and I did buy some packs, so I just had this binder that's full of leftover stuff that I picked up. And I think that's analogous to me buying comics, not because I need to have all of them, but yeah. because... I'd like to read the entire story beginning to end. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't want to miss an issue because I won't know what's going on in the next issue. Exactly. And so even now, playing war games, you know, there's different factions, right? And so I'm trying to complete the faction that I play and get every model in it. So that is collecting it, but it's also more based on the utility thing. But do you need every? And I don't, I don't, I don't mean to be derisive of like. No. Do you need all of them? But do you need all of them for the utility? Or I mean, because I, I can see where. Uh, granted, I don't play any of these tabletop games, but I can understand a situation where to be like, hey, if my opponent has, you know, this particular character or yeah. this particular model, I'm going to need these. This three, is a counter. For you know, that. yeah. But I, I won't know until I get there. So, yes, it's having all of them, but it's having all of them in case I need them for a battle. Or is it because, yeah. well, I've got 99% of them, I might as well get those two I don't have. No, so there are decidedly things I will not get because they're just bad. Like, they're <laughs> terrible. Tofu gun. Yeah, exactly. No, they're just pointless and dumb. So I won't get those. And you do make lists before you go into a, a tournament. So, but... So it's like going into court with your list of exhibits and... and... Yeah, actually, sort of. And just hoping that what you have counters the opponent. I, the I should say, I should use the phrase, providing a list for discovery, for anyone who's listening who actually knows what I'm talking about, so they don't think I'm just talking out my ass. But I yes, don't, so we're just going to roll on this. Aspect, yes. All right, so it's kind of like that. You hope that what you have is going to counter them, but it just gives you a better idea of what the faction does as a whole, and the whole interchangeable part things. You know, how does this work with this? How does that work with Because that? maybe they've got faction A, but maybe they're playing it close combat, maybe they're playing it more exactly. distance sniper attacks, maybe they're playing it more damage over time, or area of effect, I, I'm assuming all these things are involved. Except but for damage over time, we've actually been doing pretty good, actually. Okay. This is well, actually... I, I know generally how video game type yeah, stuff exactly. works, and it's the same systems, regardless of whether it's on a screen or on a yeah. tabletop, so. And, uh, and we... Really, there's no damage over time type attacks? I mean, so there is, so you can be set on fire? Yeah, that's a DOT. Yeah, uh, you're right, but it's very, very specific lists do that. It's not a very common thing. You can be hit with water and oxygen and you will lose 10 health every 5 years from rust. <laughs> sure, absolutely. I mean, they're giant robots, so eventually it's going yeah, to happen. So, yeah, what was I going to say about... And let me also say that as someone that has Steam, I do have to catch every single Steam game. Did you see that Dorkly comic? That was all like... Probably. That was like, what's what's the point of more another oh, Steam yeah. sale? So they were basically and they're like, it's Pokemon, Pokemon now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was pretty much that. Um, so I... Gotta buy them all. Exactly. You know, um, and that is actually... Pokemon is my one thing that I have... I don't want to say completed, but I do own at least one game from every generation. The games, not the cards. Correct. The it's, not, it's not exactly that hard to own them. It's not a collection so much as it's just... Yeah, I bought all the ones. Yeah, every two years I bought the new well, ones. Well, I mean, that's really what it come, came down to. Every two years I was just buying another one. But, like, I I have, you know, some people actually have to really hunt down old ones and whatnot. I actually have a cartridge from every gen, so, um, including the remakes. 
Um, which, I mean, it's not a huge collection, but... And recently, there have been other things that I've started to collect, like um, Privacy Press, the company that makes the War Machine game that I play, started to come out with pins, because they know that we're all completion. Now, we're stores. talking like... Um like a pin you might put on a punk's backpack in 1980 or in 2004. Or if you go down to Disney, they try to sell you because... You or know. they have it, um, um, the Olympics, I know, is trend, pin trading. But are we talking yeah. circular pins with a, with a image on them, or are we talking like a metal pin with that you kind of put on a lapel, and then it's got that little back on it, the, you know, the, the Yeah, like back. a metal pin with a back, and it's all about the trading. So not so. the more safety pin style, but the more... I'm not exactly sure which. They you know are, what I mean, though. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the with the actual back you place on. I'm not sure which it is, but I don't know what you call them. I'm just, there's got to be a name for both types. I just don't know what they are. Regardless, they're, they're pins, and they're the hot rage right now because they know we're all completionist whores and have to own now, all of them. Is this like so, um, I'm trying to visualize? Is this something that aids you in the game in any way? Not in the slightest. Is this something that resembles military pins so you could put together a general's <laughs> costume with all your, like, campaign buttons? That'd be fantastic. Like, oh, I won this and I won that and this That's, is a Purple Heart. That and seems like that would be, like, a really synergistic marketing move. That actually really would, and I would like to see that, especially, you know, and they might do, oh, you won this, here's a pin for this, you know. Right now they do coins for, like, the regular tournament, so, like... And didn't they do that for Pokemon back there, or was that, like, patches? You got badges. Badge, okay. That because you know the Pokemon. The badges. third type of emblematic. Well, collectible. I mean, it's it's the thing. <laughs> I'm not making from, fun of no, you. No, I know, just... I know, I know. It's the thing from Pokemon games. Yeah, you yeah. Get the badges and all that. So um, right now you get coins. So like, I'm going to a tournament in two weeks. You you play first, second, or third. You get a little metal coin, like a challenge coin type deal from the military. Yeah. Or yes, exactly. Okay. Um, so it's kind of the same thing. The pins though are more just aesthetics, completely aesthetic. Um, but it's more event-based, so, like, you have the gold pin from this one, or you... They just started with their last convention, so the one I'm going to in November, hopefully I'll get some pins. And they have different, uh, chibi versions of different characters and whatnot. Like, the, the images on them? Yeah, so, but it's, like, the cutesy version, so... Yeah, well, and I know yeah. what chibi is, yeah. Yeah, but just to explain what you're doing. Yeah, 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 So that's something I'm probably gonna get into. Not huge, you're not gonna be completionist about it, but just kinda collect what I can of it. The other thing that I've been collecting recently, and it's not really a successful collection because it disappears, but that would be... Granola? Granola. <laughs> From all over the world. No, it would be beer. And that's something... Oh, okay. Well, I was on the right track. Yeah, exactly. No, it was the right track. It's something that a couple of people, you know, a group of friends, Dave's really into different beers and whatnot, mm -hmm. so am I. You know, you find... Rare ones, you find limited release stuff and whatnot. But the problem seasonal is... Seasonal things. Seasonal things, too. Yeah, so a lot of breweries do once-a-year things, anniversary stuff, stuff like that. Um, I have one friend that's been collecting, uh, I think it's, yeah, Firestone Walker Parabola uh, for five years. So he's going to do, like, a five-year taste throughout the last five years that he's stored up. Um, and so, I mean, it's a, it's a cool thing to collect and get these rare beers, but the problem is... You enjoy them, and then you don't have the rare beers anymore. You do have the bottle still. Well, that's true. You can hold on to the bottle for the really rare ones. And there is an actually an app out called Untapped, so you can actually go on there and check in. It's like Foursquare, but for beer. And so okay. you check in the different beers that you've drank and rank them and whatnot. So there is a way to kind of mark that you've done that, and they give you badges for drinking a certain number of beers, certain types, you know, brewed America, not America, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that is definitely something that, 
been doing more and getting the micro stuff and yeah, but that's really all I've been I've been um, collecting comics. I'm kind of the same way. I'm I'm story driven for comics, so it's less the art and you know having the the hardback because I just do digital now. Yeah, as I say, you've moved into digital. Yeah, so it's really I mean I I collect them. Digitally, so there's that. You've got, I think, in terms of physical comics, you've got like a short box worth. It's not even full. Yeah, it's about half a short box. Yeah, yeah. before I switch into digital, just because out of ease of having and storage. Drive and store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So no, I, I totally get it. But yeah, now when you collect things, be it for utility, be it for having all of them, being it for for whatever reason, are you a acquiring collector, for lack of a better term, or are you a protection collector? In terms of, in other words, what I mean is, do you just want to have it, or once you have it, do you want to protect it or display it or whatever? Like, your comics, are they bagged and boarded? Your uh, Warhammer figures, are they in foam inside of a box, or are they just displayed somewhere, or are they, are they in a box in a closet? Your cards, are they in, you know, sleeves and or binders? Or I mean, you've talked about how you used yeah. to keep them, but now, how are you with that kind of stuff? So magic stuff is, it's pretty much what's important to me. So my magic stuff, like I said, it used to be in the binder and everything. I've rarely played magic in probably over a year. So that's stuff just kind of in, not even really sleeved anymore. It's just... But when you were actively doing it, it was sleeved, it was in binders. I was about to say, the cards that I was using were always sleeved. You know, they were in little boxes. There was binders for the rares and whatnot. So that was all well protected. Now with my models, like, I have foam for them. And the ones that I've paid people to paint for me, I try to protect more so that they don't get shipped because, you know, I spent good money and this person put effort and time into making this thing for me. I want to actually protect that. Um, the other models, not so much. Um, I really have kind of MacGyver boxes. Like one's just a shoe box that happened to randomly perfectly fit the foam that I bought. <laughs> so that, you know, it's just a shoe box and it's kind of loose and things slide around. And, and I'd imagine with those figures, even if they're chipped or the arm broke off, they don't use lose their utility. It's not like you can't use a model because it's missing a wing or something. I or... mean, yeah, as long as it's you know what it is. Like, sure. there's no way they can be like, I'm not sure which... <laughs> if it melted in a fire and it's just a, a mound <laughs> of, uh, not lead, but what's the... Uh... Pewter. Yeah. This is the amount of pewter <laughs> on a plastic base. Oh, yeah, it's totally that dude. Don't worry about it. It's fine. Oh, no, wait. It's actually the other dude. My bad. Yeah, no, it's, it's nothing like that. As long as the head's recognizable, the weapon's recognizable, like, stuff like that, you're fine. There's, you know, if something chipped off. If, you know, so I, I don't actually know how this works. If you've got figure A, let's say it's Steve the Bombardier. Okay, Steve for, the Bombardier. For Warhammer. I gotta, I gotta find a Steve the Bombardier figure. Can now. you have different, if you have the same character, can they have different weapons? So can so, you, like, buy a different arm and put that arm on him and that arm is holding a grenade launcher versus an RPG or versus a flat cannon or whatever? Okay, so let me and let me actually break down here. There's two different, I think I've explained this before, uh, game companies that are really big right now. Sure, the there's, Wizards on the Coast and... Uh, I'm talking about for figures. Oh, okay. okay. So there's Games Workshop and Privateer Press. Privateer Press makes uh, Warhammer... Not War, War Machine, and Game Workshop makes Warhammer uh, Fantasy, which is obviously you know like knights and blah 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 blah, and then 40k, which is Space Marines, etc. etc. So, Privateer Press keeps a much tighter rein on things. It's a game that's supposed to be more tor- uh, tournament oriented, more it's more like chess as opposed to Games Workshop, which is more like playing checkers. They call it beer and pretzel games, and much more relaxed on things. 
So Privateer Press, you can mod things with two with in the limits, with the exceptions being um, it has to be the same type of weapon it had before. So, you know, let's say you have an axe, you can put a different axe head on there, but it still has to be an axe. And, but does the axe, if you've modded the axe, does it now have plus two to whatever? Or is it just aesthetic? Just aesthetic. Okay. So that's more what I was asking. And, and I'll get to that in a second. It, that is solely aesthetic. And the other thing that they really just implemented, because they started doing more broadcasting and stuff, is your modifications can't violate anyone else's intellectual property. Okay, that, well, that makes sense. And um, is, is this the more checkers one or the more chess one? This is the more chess one. Okay. They keep things very tight so that things can be tor- tournament-oriented. Sure. Then there's Games Workshop, which is more what you're getting to the side of, where you can pick different weapons in both games. So you're These like, are, I'm assuming, pre-manufactured weapons that they sell and not just, I made this cool gun out of paper mache and I'm going to put it on the guy. Well, that's the thing. Games Workshop is much more lax on stuff like that, and they don't run tournaments themselves. So you'll have people that just make, like game companies that will make models for their games. Oh, really? Yeah, like there's, that's actually a whole big thing, where there are several game companies that make games with their own rules, but the majority of people buy those models to use in Games Workshop games. Oh, okay. Uh, but it's still what you were saying, so let's say you play 40K. And you have Space Marines. And you want this Space Marine to have uh, a machine gun. And this one to have a rocket launcher. And this one to have a plasma gun. And so you can give them each different weapons. They don't have to have the same one. But that being said, when you give them that certain weapon, that's what they have. You can't pretend that one's the rocket launcher and that one's the chain you know, weapon. So that game is a lot more laxed on that kind of well, thing. Well, in those cases, though, how do you agree, okay, so you buy Space Marine 1, yeah. who's weaponless, let's say, but you want to give him the pistol from your Deadpool figure. You know, <laughs> when you go to that game, how do you and the other opponent and your opponent decide, okay, that's a, a, la- a you know t- level 27 laser? Like, well, do you both have to agree? Or? I mean, it's the rule that they really go by is, and I'm sure you've heard this as a term before, WYSIWYG? I've heard the term as, uh, I think there's a comic book named that, but I don't know... Okay, it stands for what you see is what you get. Okay. And basically, it's kind of the same thing, where, yeah, you could use your pistol from your Deadpool figure, but that's a pistol. Like, you're not going to play that off But how do you you decide, like, how good that pistol is? Or or, or do the rules say a pistol does this? There there are rules. So basically, you come with your books. There's actually, it looks like you're going to school. Because (laughs) you bring books. And you say, you make up a list and say, this pistol is the bolter pistol here. And then this pistol is this one here. So the rules already have provided for this is what these things do. Correct, yes. And as long as you agree before you start the game that that's what it is. Or as long as... You say that's what it is before you and start the game. And as long as it's understood, yes. Yeah, okay. And so you're not... Well, that, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but like I said, it depends on which game you're playing. Some companies, and even outside of those two, want a much more tighter control on things. You know, especially with the intellectual property thing. That actually put a lot of people at a disadvantage because they're like, Oh, all my robots are painted like C-3PO and R2-D2. Nope, not anymore, they're not. So it actually was kind of a burden to some people. So and the whole portal themed army that was a big thing too. <laughs> but uh, 
we we're almost to the end. But I figure since we're sitting on my dad's porch, yeah, we should probably reference this room in terms of collections. Right? That's a good point. And I actually thought about referencing this before in the previous episode when we were talking about farm fair and farm memorabilia, <laughs> but we didn't. But this is actually a great room to talk about collecting and yeah, kind of old school collecting, I guess. So. My, I wouldn't really say my dad's a collector, except for this room that's dedicated to collecting. Yeah. But it's not like a, a specific thing, it's lots of random stuff. Uh, my dad is into family history, for one. There's a lot of stuff in this room that is family-based. Either it's from my mother's side of the family's farm, or it's from my dad's side of the family. It's just all kinds of stuff. So, for instance, we are distantly related to Rutherford B. Hayes, the guy who was president after Abraham Lincoln. Um, who I one day really want to make a joke that's like Rutherford behave and like he's being flirty, but I can't ever find a situation where that would work. So very distantly related, but it's okay. still kind of a cool thing. My, my dad's mother was very big into tracking family history. She's part of the Daughters of the American Revolution, which is okay. a ladies group yep. mostly that can all trace their lineages back to people who... If I think they had to fight in the Revolutionary War or at least be around in the United States or what would be the United States at that time, but I think they had to fight in the war, um, specifically for the American yes. side, um, I think. <laughs> That'd be great. Now there's a bunch of British people. <laughs> uh, well, they were all British people oh, at the time, point, let's, yeah. let's be clear. But, so, we can trace back our lineage, like, way back to the 1500s, at least on that corner of the family, including Rutherford B. Hayes. So if you look over here, we've got a picture of Rutherford B. Hayes, as well as a fake uh, million-dollar bill with his picture on it. We, we, my family went to his, um, his mansion or whatever uh, t- yeah. two different times. I only went once, thankfully. But a patch from that place, a Rutherford B. Hayes dollar coin that I actually gave my dad because I was like, it's worth more than a dollar to him, <laughs> so I'll give it to him because I don't want to deal with it. But you've also got, on the side of the, the room that I'm pointing to, you've got um, the marriage certificate for my great-grandparents, I believe, down at mm-hmm. the floor there. Above it is a whole bunch of pictures of that side of the family. Up uh, above, you got Cass Derm, who was... Um, I was wondering who Cass Derm was. It's my, my dad's mother's side of the family again. Um, the Derms, she was a... I believe she was and, a Derm. And Derms, not Durham? He's pronounced Derm. Okay. Um, from the Cory, Pennsylvania area. They are also related to the Olds family, Ezekiel and Solomon Olds. Is that right? I believe I believe that's the, the, their names. Um, they originally made pumps, um, like water pumps. Yeah. We actually have one of them, or did. I think it mostly rotted away. My dad turned it into a lamp, which was pretty cool. Like, you would pull, pull the pump handle. But you actually know the Olds family. Do I? You don't actually physically know I them. I figure, yes. But you know them because of the thing they made after pumps. What do you think the Olds family might have made after making water pumps? Oh man, I don't know. Nearly a hundred years ago. Oh man, I don't know. Maybe, maybe some kind of mobile. They they did make a mobile, the Olds mobile. Um, I, again, my family is distantly related to the Olds uh, family. So before that, they made pumps. So fun, fun pumps fact, and then cars. Barely yeah. fun fact. But so we've got a couple different <laughs> pictures there. All right, well, let's get some more fun facts. Here. <laughs> There's like a picture of my uh, my grandfather or great grandfather, great great grandfather ran a general store. So that one of those pictures is him in front of his general store. Okay. There's more pictures over here as well. I'm about to say, yeah, I really look at the picture side of it. I think I'm there's like a, a discharge, like a, an honorable discharge paper from the from the War of eighteen twelve or the Civil War from some distant relative. Yeah. But okay, so beyond that. Let's move on to the stabby, shooty side. <laughs> a couple muskets, a flintlock pistol, yeah. a World War II bayonet, I believe, a couple of 
powder horns for, for yeah. gunpowder. Um, my, my dad's got a couple other historic guns in other parts of the house. A bee's nest. There's, it's actually, I believe, a wasp's nest. I was about to say, that's more big. of a hornet nest, yeah. It's big, and thankfully there's no wasps in it. Because um, people may remember from other episodes, I don't like bees or wasps or hornets or any of that. But I love bees. Bees? <laughs> bees? bees? Uh, there's also a deer skull. That's a real deer skull. I always wonder what that was. Like, I didn't know if it was like a cow or... A deer. Deer? White-tailed right. deer. There's a lot of them around here. There's many opportunities to get skulls. There's also yep. a dead red-tailed hawk yeah. <laughs> that my dad found on the side of the road and didn't really stuff it, but he dried it, and then he took the feathers, glued them back in the position they would be in, and took its f- talons and glued them below it. There's no head or anything there. Oh, I knew that. You told me that before. Um, right below... A picture of a dove. Right below the sting, you know, yeah, there's same, the dead same. hawk right below the stained glass dove. Yeah, my, my dad always kind of laugh, laughs at that, like it's some weird uh, metaphysical message <laughs> uh, of this red-tailed hawk attacking a, a dove, the symbol of peace. But then you've got tons of old um, tools and farming equipment. Yep. Um, act, there's barbed wire up there that's actually from this property. You told me about that. A hundred years ago, this used to be a cattle farm uh, before my grandparents, well, this was before, once my grandfather was either not born yet or like an infant, but his family were cattle farmers right here where we're sitting now. Then the barn burned down and they uh, transitioned uh, to produce and now to flowers, decorative mm-hmm. flowers, and some corn and, and decorative gourds. I feel like that's a step down. But there's actual barbed wire, and those are um, barbed wire. You, you, the thing they are connected to, you would screw that or nail that into the fence to hold the barbed wire. Yeah. That's actually from our backyard that we found hmm. from you know 100 years ago. And scythes and chisels, and some of it's from here. Some of it's just stuff my dad's found over the years. Yeah. I think that was my great-grandmother's rug beater. Um, I think that was my grandmother or her mother's stethoscope when they were nurses. Um Planing tools for uh, for planing down wood, more size, real old handcuffs and keys, yep. and then my dad's got uh, lanterns. He's a big fan of those, and a washboard. That thing's an ice pick up there. Yeah, it's for picking up ice blocks. Look, can we just say we've had many conversations about what is the best item? To fight either someone off or zombies with in this room. And there's like a meat cleaver above our heads. An old school popcorn popper. Ice cream scoop. In the cupboard, which is my great-grandmother's or something like that, there's a bunch of old apothecary bottles, 7-Up bottles, Pepsi bottles. You know, I never realized this. Why do we sit below the meat cleaver? I don't feel because like that's, that's where the couch is. I don't. Yeah, thank you for that. <laughs> well, that's literally why we sit here because that's where the seats are. I would just feel like the seat should be differently placed. I wouldn't sit here in an earthquake. But... Well, that's true. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Got some more keys over there. Pulleys, wrenches, ladles, saws. There's a ladles. big, um, like lumberjack saw up there. About like a two-person two person, yeah. saw. Um, hose and um, different. Rake, not really rakes, but small like hand trowels, spades, and yeah. that's a that's a sheep shear. We were talking yep. about sheep earlier tonight in a different episode that may come af- out after this or not. There's actually two of them. That four clawed thing that I don't know exactly what that is. Wrenches, oh, old uh, scissors that are kind of cool. Um, a big hammer. Yeah, more ice. There's a lot of ice picks and stuff. That's insane. But well, my dad's right. been picking up random stuff for years. Um, some of it from out back, there's just, like, farming equipment out in the woods back there that was dumped many years ago. So this is... so this Tractor is, seat. There's a tractor seat up there behind the... Yeah. 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 So let me let me transition this slightly here. This is what your dad's been collecting for years, and, you know, as you get older, you're less of a broke 
twenty something. You're able to afford. Hopefully, to be, or at least you're less than twenty something. Well, there's definitely going to be that. <laughs> or dead. Uh, well, that's sad. Uh, you know, hopefully you're going to have some <laughs> you're not more broke money. Well, that's true. <laughs> hopefully you're going to have some money to be able to collect something you're into. So you know, if money really weren't an issue, what kind of thing would you want to collect? There's not really a lot of stuff I'm like, oh, if I had money, I would have that. I'm not a car guy. I'm about to say, the I do like Butcher's car. I do yeah. like 1940s cars, like a Studebaker, kind of okay. like that car you'd see in a noir picture. Yeah. And I would like to have one of those if I had, like, tons of money. Not even to drive around, but just because it looks cool. Oren Ishii's table in Kill Bill. Okay. She has this long conference table. She, she uh, Spoilers for the movie. She decapitates a guy at it. I thought, think that table looks amazing, and I'd <laughs> love to have that table. Now, would, now let me ask you this: Would you want a table just like that, or would you want that table? Oh, I'd want a table like that. Okay. In fact, it's a it's a Japanese style low table that yeah. you you sit on the floor at. I would want that one that maybe looks like that, but like would be higher. Well, you could like hit a button and it would rise up from the floor. Oh, that'd be cool. I think that would be kind of neat. Because now a lot of people have very specific wants for actual props from movies, and, and I'm not particularly interested. Like, if something came my way and it was like, hey, this thing is right here, would you like to spend $200 for it and I had money? Yeah. I might be like, oh yeah, that's actually kind of neat, but I wouldn't seek it out. Okay. You know, it's not something like that. Um, just before I wrap up, a couple other cool things that I actually didn't mention, but uh, if you lean forward, Pierce, you can't see it from where you're sitting, but you see the clock yeah. up there? That is a clock from Germany that my grandfather, my dad's father, uh, got when he was serving in Germany after World War II. He was one of the... Um, I forget what you call that, but the forces that stick around and make sure that things don't go south after the war is done. Yeah. So we're talking like 1954, but he picked that up there in um, the Black Forest. And it used to work. I don't think it does now, but I always loved that as a kid. It's very geary, and it's got cool artwork on it. But below that, which this is the part you can't see, so we're going to scoot forward. Uh, do I have to? Yep. <laughs> this is kind of cool. Actually, let's stand up and look at it, because it's, it's neat. Okay, you talk. I'll stand here. So you see this picture here. Yeah. That is my mother's father's father milking a cow. Okay. See this picture? Yeah. That is my mother's father milking a cow. Same position, same everything, but like 50 years later. On purpose? I think so, because they look so much alike, despite the fact that his father is much older than him. Yeah. Um, But just, you know, I'm not as big on history and stuff like that as my dad is, but there's... There are some pretty cool things there that you can go. Oh, absolutely. Oh, I can point to that. I can point to pictures of my dad when he was 12 and I was 12 and we look identical, you know. <laughs> same, to the point where if it wasn't that it was black yeah. and white and he was wearing a tweed suit and a bow tie, <laughs> you, you would think, oh, that's Jordan, you know. So, and I was going to transition to, actually, you saying the clock thing. The thing that I would collect, if I was able to, would be clocks. Like, I have a big thing for clocks. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, I absolutely love clocks. Because you're always late. No, it's very true. Uh, It's very ironic. But one of the things that I actually have collected, and it's more been gifted to me than, uh, you know, a collection that I've actually uh, searched for, is family pocket watches. Okay. So, like, my... uh, One of my grandfathers, who's actually my step-grandfather, but the one I grew up with... He was a pocket um, watch thief. Yes. He was actually this... I've mentioned him before. He's the one that got me into trains. Because I mentioned, you know, being president of the train club, blah, blah, blah. So I actually have, when he passed away, I got his um, watch from when he worked on the railroad. Oh, okay. And so, because it had to be such high quality, because trains always had to run on time, etc., it was very nice. You know, I've won Oh, he was a train conductor under Mussolini. 
Exactly. Yes, the trades always run on time. I didn't even know you were Italian. <laughs> Remember, he was step, so it's all right. Uh, but no, so I have his, I have one for my uncle, so I have I really like clocks a lot. And so I would probably... Now, clocks or pocket watches? Uh, both. Or both, okay. Any both. time pieces. Exactly. But, you know, the, the pocket watches really just came from... Family heirlooms, and they're easy to store. They they're don't buy very, space. They don't take up. They're, they're like this big on my mantle. They're really not. You anything. can literally fit them in a pocket. Wow! They should like market that. Uh, <laughs> this is a great feature. Why is no one talking about this? Uh, but why I don't do we like, have these anymore? Yeah, exactly. We still got pockets because <laughs> no one even wears regular watches. Yeah, that's what you do. But that's I was about to say. I do. I, and see, that's the thing. I have several different actual watches. You know, like I like timepieces and I like wall clocks. I, it would probably drive a normal person insane, but I would like a room filled with different clocks. And sure, they would all probably not tick at the same point, but there'd be once in like once a year where it would just all tick at the same time. It'd be amazing. Um, We're talking like analog, like yes. TikTok clocks. Analog, TikTok, grandfather clocks, cuckoo clocks. I really want a death clock. Um, I don't know if a I ever... A clock that counts down to when you're going to die? Not quite. Do you know, do you know what a traditional death clock is? Um... I mean, I know the band. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, their name derived from, I, I believe, from what the idea of a death clock is, where, uh, same d- idea with a Mad Hatter. Spending all that time in a con- closed environment with lead would drive you insane, or kill you. Same idea. A death clock being one that... Actually, with, with, a, with a Hatter, with a Haberdasher, I believe it was Mercury. Mercury, okay. Yeah. Uh, but same idea. I don't know why I know that. But... Poisonous material... Enclosed environment, a death clock was literally a clock that made someone lose their life over making it. Or, like, made by a clockmaker who, after a certain number of clocks, got lead poisoning and died. That's super macabre. I know. Kind of interesting, actually. actually, You know, right? So, they're very rare. They're usually gilded. So, they're very fancy-looking clocks, but they usually run, like, five grand. I'm never going to be able to afford one. There's a a movie idea in there somewhere about a guy who makes Iron Maidens, but out of lead, and who dies from that. So, his Iron Maidens, which kill people anyway, or... That'd be, yeah, I was about to say, that's an interesting idea there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. But no, James so, Franco would probably be in it. Yeah. Uh, but I really love clocks, and so that would probably be my thing. If I had the money, if I had a place to you know, put a lot of nice clocks, that's probably what I would do. So, Well, there you go. Yeah. So uh, I think our time is up. <laughs> <laughs> that was really, that was terrible. That was uh, so I'm Jordan from Jersey. I'm Pierce from Jersey. And it's been Jersey Shore. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, why don't you let us know what your collectibles are. Yeah. And also, we should mention this, because uh, I didn't mention it in the last episode we recorded. We're on Stitcher now. I don't know what that means. What is that? I didn't that? do it, but it's like a iTunes alternative uh, way for people to get their podcasts. So we're on oh. it now. If you found us that way. Are we on the Zoom Marketplace still? That's not a thing. Dang it. <laughs> I want it to be. I collect zoons. You collect zoons. No, I, I collect I don't, bricks that I don't are shaped think like zoons. Owning a zoon count makes you a zoon. I have collector. the old bricks still. Congratulations. Thank you. I think that makes you a pack rat <laughs> or a crazy person. Probably not, not a collector. Have a good week, everybody. Thanks for listening to Jersey Shore. You can contact us at Jordan at LegionofDudes.com. That's J O R D A N. Or you can leave us a voicemail, 972 798 3830 and just let us know that you're leaving it for Jersey Shore. You can follow me on Twitter at Jordan FRM Jersey and iTunes ratings and reviews are always appreciated. And if you enjoy the show, don't forget to check out HHWLOD.com for lots of great content just like it. <laughs>